Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Radio, the one podcast to rule them all. The home of Lord of the Rings Radio is LOTRradio.com. This is our first episode of the Lord of the Rings Radio, and it is May 2005. A good time, I think, to start a project like this. The movies are come and they're gone, and the commotion has died down a bit. Uh, but I believe interest is still very high in the work of J.R.R. Tolkien. What is Lord of the Rings Radio? Well, it's my project, and it is, or it will be, a podcast featuring discussion of the works of J.R.R. Tolkien. And this, of course, will also include the recently released movie trilogy, as well as any other related works. Uh, This Lord of the Rings radio is going to be my contribution to the discussion, and maybe by accident it will be mildly entertaining. If you're listening to this now, I have to assume you're a Tolkien fan, as I am. And while right now this is a one-man show, I hope in the future to have contributions from others as well. That means any of you listening out there, if you have ideas for the show, or reactions, or comments, or whatever, you can go to lotrradio.com and you can submit them. You know, you can submit them uh, in written word, and I can read them on future podcasts. Or, if you are inclined, you can record your own voice and uh, get your own voice on this podcast. I'm really hoping to have a lot of input from listeners. I know there's a lot of Lord of the Rings fans out there, and I'm hoping that this show can be more than just my voice. I'd like to get uh, different opinions, um, different points of view on this show. So, I encourage everyone to, uh, to contribute to this, and maybe all of us together can make this show something worth listening to. The format of the show is pretty liquid right now. I'm not really certain how it will be structured, but this is what I have in my mind today. Uh, I'd like to structure it in a few different sections. That is, I'd like to have one section for each show that is uh, devoted to the content of Tolkien's work. That is, uh, for each show, perhaps we'll discuss a certain character or a certain event or a certain place uh, in Tolkien's writings. Um, discuss different issues and and different plot lines and and, uh, things dealing specifically with content of Tolkien's work. I'm also thinking that we would have another section devoted to the social implications of Tolkien's work, that is, how it has affected us all individually and uh, culturally, and how has it affected um, other writers, as uh, it of course has. He basically launched a genre with, with Lord of the Rings, and Many try to imitate him, but none seem to come close, so I think that's something that uh, we can discuss as well. And I'm thinking right now that perhaps we'll end each episode with a reading of one of Tolkien's poems. Um, But of course, this is all very liquid, and it might change, and who knows, this might be the only episode of Lord of the Rings Radio, so we'll just wait and see. But as of today, that is what the structure will be. Since this is the first episode of Lord of the Rings Radio, I guess I should tell you a little bit about myself. My name is Aaron Wolf. I'm 26 years old. I live in the United States. I was first introduced to Tolkien's writings when I was 12 or 13 years old in junior high. Uh, in an English class, we read The Hobbit. And, of course, I fell in love with the book immediately. Uh, as soon as I was finished with The Hobbit, I went out and I bought Fellowship of the Ring. The Two Towers, and Return of the King. And I read them all, I uh, got through them, and when I f- read them all through, I picked them up and I read them again, and after that, I read them again. I think in the first year, I probably read them uh, four or five times. 
and since then I've read them roughly once a year, um, every year. I've, of course, also read The Silmarillion and The Book of Lost Tales, uh, The Histories of Middle-Earth, The Letters of J.R.R. Tolkien, um, and some other related works. Um, by no means am I a scholar on Tolkien's writings. Um, I'm sure there are many of you out there who could put me to shame, but uh, this is just me giving my opinion, and I'm hoping any of you scholars out there would like to contribute too, and you are free to do so, and I encourage that. Uh, but that's my background, and uh, from here we'll get started. For the first episode today, I'd like to start with something fairly general. Um, I want to talk about what makes Tolkien's work so popular. Um, of course, in recent years, the popularity has increased due to the movies. Um, but even before the movies, I think uh, Tolkien's work was widely appealing um, to many people. And I guess I want to talk just a little bit about what... I find so appealing about it. And I'll start with the first book I read, The Hobbit. When you read The Hobbit, the thing that comes to mind to me is the fact that every character, and every place, every location has uh, hidden secrets and a, a hidden history that Tolkien hints at but doesn't come right out and, uh, and tell you about. And as you read it, you just, you want to know. You want to know... Um, why Gollum is living under this mountain. And you want to know the history of the elves and why they don't like the dwarves. And uh, you want to know the history of, of the Lonely Mountain and, and Lake Town. And it's not only the fact that there's a sense of history and depth, it's that he does it all in such a realistic manner. You know, it seems real. Of course, there's hobbits and dwarves and elves and dragons uh, which seems so unrealistic but if you read it and you give yourself up to it it is real you're reading this and you feel like uh, you could go there that there must be a way <laughs> and uh, you want to go there and I think um, that's the basic element that Tolkien has uh, is his realism and also uh, the depth. And of course, um, the way Tolkien writes is so visually stunning. I mean, you're reading a book, but uh, you get these beautiful pictures of mist-covered mountains and, and dark forests, and it, it's visually very, very elaborate. Moving on from The Hobbit, you have The Lord of the Rings, which, of all of Tolkien's writings, has uh, been the most popular, or at least has sold the most books. And, of course, The Lord of the Rings expands on the depth and history of, of The Hobbit. Some of the things that you're longing to have explained from The Hobbit are explained in The Lord of the Rings. But then he also brings in all these other deeper histories and uh, leaves them unexplained. And, and besides the way Tolkien writes and the way he writes things as a history, um, the themes he brings up in The Lord of the Rings... I think are very appealing also. I mean, besides the uh, the realism and the depth and the uh, visual nature of his writing, uh, the themes he uses, um, you know, good versus evil, of course, but also um, struggles 
inside of people, the struggle inside of Frodo, um, between the the will of the ring and his own will to destroy it, the struggle, the sacrifice, um, the sacrifice that Frodo and Sam are prepared to make. They had no hope of returning alive from their quest. They had basically no hope that they would even complete the quest, but they did the most honorable and noble thing. They continued when hope was gone. And that's true with many other characters, too, um, throughout the book. Each character goes through the own, their own process of losing hope, or coming near to losing hope, and um, and then they are redeemed. It is uh, Tolkien, I believe, coined the word eucatastrophe, the opposite of uh, a catastrophe, of course, some great good happening, which is exactly what happens when Frodo destroys the ring, something um, no one really gave a chance to happen. Um, but through Frodo and Sam's complete giving of themselves uh, to this task, it was completed. And of course, um, there are many smaller themes of corruption and um, redemption uh, in the book. Uh, so many subplots, and, and again, so many details that uh, it is just... Uh, endless, it could be an endless discussion, all the different themes. But I, I think the main theme, the theme of Frodo and Sam, and um, their journey, and their, uh, their going on a quest which even the great would not attempt, um, and going without hope, and completing it, um, I think is a wonderful theme, and I think much of the appeal of The Lord of the Rings lies in that theme. I think the popularity of Tolkien's other works, his other Middle-Earth-related works at least, uh, stem directly from The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, as you know, people who have read those books are longing to know more. Um, of course, the first place they should turn is The Silmarillion, which provides um, an excellent history of Middle-Earth, uh, an excellent explanation of uh, why things are the way they are at the time of the Lord of the Rings. And, of course, they have some very compelling stories uh, independent from, from the Lord of the Rings. But I think, uh, by and large, uh, they would not be read if people had not first read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. So, that's my... Uh, two cents on why these books are so popular. There are many other reasons, and for every person there's probably a different reason. So, uh, I'm anxious to hear what uh, all of you out there think. Am I full of bunk? Is there something I'm missing? Uh, so, I want you to chime in, and you can do so at lotrradio.com. Uh, any comments you have that you submit, will perhaps be used in a future podcast. So, moving on from that, uh, we will see what's next. The Tolkien content that I want to talk about today on this first episode of Lord of the Rings Radio has to do with the Lord of the Rings trilogy itself. It has to do with the central story in the trilogy, and it has to do with heroes. Now, Frodo Baggins is the bearer of the One Ring. 
He is the hobbit that carries the One Ring from the Shire to Mount Doom. Many people see him as the central hero of the story. Of course, no one would argue that Frodo's actions aren't heroic. For him to even attempt this quest when others would not is more courageous than most of us are capable of. But it's also interesting to talk about the kinds of failures Frodo has along the way and how they affect his status as a hero and his status as a central hero of the book. Um, some could argue that perhaps Sam is the central hero, or some could even argue that Gollum is the central hero. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Frodo has two major failures in his quest to destroy the ring. The first comes um, sometime after Sam rescues him from the Tower of Kirithungal. Uh, it's basically the fact that Frodo would have never made it to the mountain without the help of Sam. Uh, physically, he would have been unable to. Physically and mentally, he did not have the will. The weight of the ring on his mind and on his body would never have allowed him to reach the mountain without Sam. Sam carried him both literally, of course, and uh, metaphorically. And after having failed in reaching the mountain himself, uh, Frodo uh, makes his second failure, which is being unable to destroy the ring. Now, you could account both of these failures to the influence of the ring over Frodo. If Sam had been carrying the ring, perhaps Sam would never have had the willpower that he had uh, when they reached Mordor. Taking that into consideration, uh, we'll examine Frodo's failure in destroying the ring. Did Frodo have any conception ahead of time that he would not be able to destroy the ring when he reached the Crack of Doom? Or were his intentions always to destroy the ring up until the moment that he was faced with the actual deed of throwing it into the fire? I believe that Frodo's will was always to destroy the ring, and his will was eroded to the point that it hung by a string when they entered the Samoth Nar, and that string was broken when he moved to complete his quest meaning that Frodo's failure was only at the point where the ring was most powerful and his will had already been subdued to the point that he had no control. The ring, at that point, had taken him over. A failure, nonetheless, but as much of a victory as Frodo could have possibly had meaning that there was no way that Frodo alone would have ever conceivably completed this quest. So I would argue that Frodo's failures do not lessen his status as a central hero in the stories. Frodo perhaps did not so much fail as he was used up. Uh, the ring consumed his will, and by the point that he reached Mount Doom, he had no more left. Perhaps he did more than anyone could, or perhaps no one could have done more than he did. The main central heroic deed of the story, the destruction of the ring, against all odds, was not Frodo's quest alone. It was a quest of the Fellowship, it was the quest of Sam's along with Frodo's, and, of course, Gollum, the uh, apparent villain, uh, had a hand to play also in the heroic deed. Um, would you call Gollum a hero? Well, I think you need to have heroic intentions 
to be a hero, and Gollum's intentions at that point were nowhere near heroic. So I think um, Sam deserves a large share of the heroic pie, uh, but I would still give Frodo top billing as main hero of Lord of the Rings. Of course, others probably have their opinions, and I want to hear them. You can send them in to lotrradio.com, either in words, or you can record your opinions and have them played in a future podcast. Well, we're coming to the end of the first episode of Lord of the Rings Radio. Hopefully it hasn't been too excruciating for you listeners out there. The poem I've chosen uh, to read at the end of this episode is uh, from the Silmarillion. It's my favorite poem of Tolkien's. Uh, It's from the story of Beren and and Luthien, and it is uh, when Finrod Felagund uh, confronts Sauron in his tower. Um, Finrod is forced to to face Sauron in defense of Beren, uh, and Finrod falls. He chanted a song of wizardry, of piercing opening of treachery, Revealing, uncovering, betraying, then sudden fell a gun there swaying, sang in answer a song of stain, resisting, battling against power, of secrets kept, strength like a tower, and trust unbroken, freedom, escape, of changing and of shifting shape, of snares eluded, broken traps, the prison opening, the chain that snaps, backwards and forwards swayed their song, reeling and foundering as ever more strong, the chanting swelled, Felagun fought, and all the magic and mighty brought of elvenness into his words, softly in the gloom they heard the birds singing afar in Nargothrond, the sign of the sea beyond, beyond the western world on sand, on sand of pearls and elven land, then the gloom gathered. Darkness growing in Valinor, the red blood flowing beside the sea where the Noldor slew the foam riders, and stealing drew their white ships with their white sails from lamplit havens. The wind wails, the wolf howls, the ravens flee, the ice mutters in the mouths of the sea, the captives sad and angbad mourn, thunder rumbles, the fires burn, and Finrod fell before the throne. Well, that's it for the first episode of Lord of the Rings Radio. Hopefully it wasn't too painful for many of you. Hopefully some of you might have even enjoyed it. Of course, I want your input. Uh, Was this a good episode? Was there something that needs changing? Uh, Should I keep doing this? Should I uh, just give it up? Any comments, suggestions, reactions to my words? Anything would be greatly appreciated. You can go to lotrradio.com and uh, submit your opinions on our forums. You can send me messages. You can send me sound clips. Anything that you send me could be played on a future podcast. And I, of course, would love to have uh, listener input, and I would love to have some listener content in future podcasts. So don't forget our web address, lotrradio.com, and hopefully we'll have another episode up sometime in June. Thank you.